We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Bulls fans, and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you again for joining me this week. The second time this week, pretty much. We're not that far removed from the last show a few days ago where we covered Summer League, and I'm doing another show now because it appears the Bulls are pretty close or on the verge of signing Milwaukee Bucks forward Jabari Parker. So this deal is close, and at the time of the recording this podcast, it's not necessarily official, but based on the way things are shaping up, It sort of appears like it's headed down the path that Jabari Parker and the Chicago Bulls will be forming a bond or a relationship for next season. So we'll see what happens, I guess, in the next 24 to 48 hours. But based on what we know at the moment, it appears like Parker and the Bulls are a thing. So given this significant news, of course, I had to record a show. And joining me today to go through the Parker news is Jason Pat, writer for Bloggable, Fan Sided, and Bet Chicago. Jay, how you doing, man? I am doing all right. Uh, bright and early on this lovely Saturday morning with uh, some apparent Bulls news. <laughs> so, so definitely some apparent Bulls news. I wasn't expecting on doing a podcast so soon. I, I signed off my last show maybe two or three days ago, pretty much suggesting that I didn't know when I was going to be back. It's obviously going to be dependent on Bulls news, what they were going to do with David Waber and maybe a few other moves on the periphery. I wasn't necessarily expecting this though, but here we are talking Bulls again. And we're obviously talking Bulls because it appears that they're very close to agreeing to a deal with Jabari Parker, only probably a few hours away from it. But I mean, what are your initial thoughts about this whole thing? Uh, well, as when they first go back and talk, you mentioned David Nwaba, and they a couple of days ago when they rescinded his whatever like one point seven million dollar qualifying offer, it seemed like in conjunction with some of the other moves they were doing, with they waived Sean Kilpatrick, 
traded Jaron Grant last week or whenever that was, that they had something up their sleeves. I thought maybe it would be something to do with possibly trading for Carmelo Anthony, but the other option was signing a guy like Jabari Parker or Rodney Hood, and it looks like one of those. It looks like they're going to be signing Jabari Parker. It doesn't look like it's totally a done deal yet, but I think it's basically, like I said, it's going to happen in the next couple hours here. Um, I mean, Jabari's a Chicago guy. I feel like maybe this is almost very predictable that they're going after him. He's t- torn his ACL twice. It looks like the Bulls want to make him their starting small forward, which I don't think is a great fit. I've kind of said this entire time that signing Jabari, as long as it's a short-term deal, which does look like it's going to be about a two-year deal, uh, about like $20 million a year. We'll see if the second year is guaranteed for a short-term deal. I mean, I can't really get too upset about it, but I've never really understood the fit with Jabari. He's never really been a small forward. He played power forward in Milwaukee. He's he torn his ACL twice. He's kind of on the bigger side. So him on, playing on the wing uh, with the roster the Bulls currently have, I don't really see it being the best fit. I don't. A lot of people think that oh, it's Jabari and four number 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 two pick. He's only twenty three. He's still got all this potential. Guy's torn his ACL twice. He's never really been that good in Milwaukee. He did have a couple years ago before he tore his ACL the second time he was putting up twenty points per game. But I mean, he's still kind of more like a one trick pony just as a scorer, which not necessarily a bad thing. But the Bulls kind of just invested in that with Zach Levine. So, I mean, the Bulls right now looks like they're going to be investing a lot of money in two guy, two young guys who are just kind of ball-dominant score types, but they're not elite scorers and guys who have had knee problems with the ACL. So, I, I can't really say that I love it. I don't really hate it since a short term in terms of Parker, the Levine deal is another issue. In terms of, was it was the short-term deal? I mean, whatever, like I said, we'll have to see what this second year guarantees because I still think the Bulls would want to keep open the flexibility for next summer and having the cap space. Not that I really think the Bulls are going to make any huge free agent splashes, but I would be very surprised if they committed two fully guaranteed years to Parker with, 20, with the free agency class of 2019. But I guess we'll see. It's I guess it is a very Bullsy move, and I guess it's going to have to hope for the best. Yeah, so so you mentioned a few key things there. For, so firstly, the, the moves that I guess that allowed this this Parker news to all, I guess, the signing that will be taking place shortly, which we're um, imagining will happen in the next 24, hour, 24 hours or so, uh, at the time of recording at least. So you, you mentioned the three moves that preceded this, basically Jerry and Grant going to Orlando for nothing, or for Julian Stone, who the Bulls will waive, the waving on Sean Kilpatrick, and obviously rescinding the qualifier to David Nwaba, which effectively made him an unrestricted free agent, and it looks like he's going to be cleared off the cap sheet. So... Doing all those three things pretty much shaped up the Bulls to have about $19.1 million in cap space. And if they decide to um, move on from Paul Zipso, who has an unguaranteed to his contract until the 18th of July, if they decide to waive him too, they can get up to $20.6 million in cap space, which per the reports floating around, it, it sort of is a number that I guess is being floated here for what Jabari Parkin can earn next season. And I, I guess why I wanted to re- reaffirm those moves or re-outline those moves is I, I was expecting those moves or those moves themselves were signaling the Bulls were doing something, clearly. I wasn't expecting it to be this. I thought it may be a salary dump of sorts, taking on one or two bad deals in a similar vein to what the Brooklyn Nets did with Denver taking on Kenneth Fareed and Daryl uh, Arthur there for a future first and a second rounder. 
Obviously, that wasn't the case. I thought it might be a precursor to a Carmelo Anthony trade, but here we are talking about Jabari Barker potentially signing a deal here with the Chicago Bulls. So <laughs> you mentioned that it, it should have been obvious, but it, it wasn't obvious to me, and I feel kind of foolish for not, not seeing this coming. Yeah, like I said, I, I, I thought Mellow first, but then I, in the back of my mind, I wrote something at Bloggable yesterday about how the big off to a restricted free agent, especially because the Bucks, uh, they are hard. I think they're like 15 or 16 million away from a hard cap. So it just kind of made sense. If you looked, oh, the Bulls, they cleared this cap space so they can make an offer that the Bucks literally like cannot match because of the of their distance from the hard cap. And look, that looks like exactly what they're doing. I've, I saw one report saying that the Bucks might just rescind Parker's qualifying offer and make him an unrestricted free agent. And the Bulls will just sign him out right like that. I guess we'll see. Uh, in terms of, I do want to mention about David Nwaba, though. I believe that, I mean, there's still a chance that he does come back. Obviously, he's a restricted free, or an unrestricted free agent now, depending on what kind of offers he gets or whether he really wants to stay with the Bulls. Uh, I believe the Bulls could still use the room exception, which is like $4.5 million to re-sign him, which I, I kind of hope they do. After I would really be ashamed to, not that David Nwaba is some like, stud or anything, but he's a nice player, nice role player, and to let one of a decent defender go, a guy who plays really hard just to give $20 million to Joe Wright Parker seems kind of crappy. But So we'll see, we'll see what happens with him. But obviously, going back to Jabari, just like, I mean, like I said, I'm not surprised that they made this balloon payment offer to him as just a way to make sure that the Bucks weren't able to match. And as I mentioned before, we'll see how much of that second year is actually guaranteed to see how that affects 2019's cap space. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's probably the most important thing about this deal. And, and given that we don't know what the particulars are on this deal at this point in time, it, it does make it somewhat more difficult, I guess, to, to grade the deal right now, given that it's not finalized. If that second year is a team option or if it's partially not guaranteed, then maybe that changes the perception of this deal slightly. But I mean, I still, I've still got issues with it as a concept, irrespective of what happens in year two, year, uh, year two of that deal anyway, which we'll go through some of the concerns of this deal um, in time, I'm sure. But I guess one of the one of the things that has bothered me is in relation to this deal, the response to this potential deal is has been some of the responses I've seen online and, and certainly ones that I've received in myself in my mentions is the fact that, that the Bulls aren't necessarily contending right now and you know taking a one-year flyer on a guy like Parker, given that he's 23 years old and potentially still has some untapped potential, I've received a lot of um, feedback in the sense that you know, taking this flyer on a guy that's probably best suited at power forward isn't really much of a concern. And I know the Bulls are, you know, hopefully hoping for uh, Parker to slot in at small forward there. But as you sort of alluded to before, he's a power forward. He spent the majority of his career at power forward with the Milwaukee Bucks per basketball reference, their play-by-play data. They've, they've got him listed there at his career at 78% at power forward. So whilst he could potentially play small forward in certain lineups. It's been the case that he's been a powered forward for the majority of his career. So I just don't like the fit at all, given that the Bulls at their postseason conference, uh, um, conference at the end of, oh, sorry, press conference at the end of the season, they made it very clear that Larry Markin was the, the centerpiece of this rebuild. So to bring in a guy like Parker, who theoretically does have some pe- uh, potential remaining, I just question how likely 
it is he reaches that given he plays the same position with Larry Markinen and the potential issues that may cause. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I was tweeting about last night was when we saw Lowry play, I was or just I could in the shot distribution. When we saw Lowry play, obviously it was a very small sample size, and last season was just kind of a mess. But when we saw Lowry play with Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, Lowry's numbers went were significantly worse because I feel like with Dunn and Levine kind of dominating the ball, Lowry just kind of lost his rhythm. Didn't he did not shoot nearly as well? His touches went were not as high. So now, if we're putting Parker in there, sliding him at the three, not obviously the Bulls still need like a number one scorer, but I'm assuming that's not going to be Lowry, and I'm assuming that's not going to be Levine, but I don't think that's going to be Jabari Parker either at this point in his career. So sliding him in at the three, and if he's going to be taking shots with Dunn and Levine also being semi-ball dominant players, like obviously you want to have multiple guys who can handle the ball, but I do wonder how having all these guys who are decent players at whatever creating for themselves scoring but not great how is that going to affect Lowry I hope that he is not marginalized somebody in my mentions yesterday a, ca- a guy who follows the Cavs is talking about how it, we've seen like Kevin Love kind of fade away sometimes when he was playing with Kyrie and LeBron and obviously that's not the, the best example there because it's Kyrie and LeBron but just like I, I do worry about having these other three guys in the lineup and Lowry not getting as many shots. I still think ultimately, hopefully the offense will figure it out, even if Jabari is not the best fit there from at the three. He, he did improve his three-point shooting the last couple of years. I think he was around like 37 38%. But I'm also very concerned on the other end of the floor. I mean, if you're putting out a lineup, your primary lineups are having a 2-3-4 of Levine, Parker, and Lowry. I mean, Lowry's showed a few better things than defense than I was expecting, but he's still not any good. You have those three guys there. You're putting a lot of pressure on Chris Dunn, a lot of pressure on Ricky Wendell Carter Jr. to cover up for those kind of mistakes. I mean, I just don't see really Jabari being an effective wing defender at this point. Like I said, he's after two torn ACLs, he, you'd have to slim down a lot, I would think. I mean, he's playing it. I think he's listed at like 250 or something like that. It's that kind of guy with – not he's not that quick. Was after the twenty cells, like I just don't see how that's going to be effective defensively. And I guess the Bulls are just banking on this offense really coming together and putting up a ton of points and making up for any issues on defense, which I think there's going to be a ton. Yeah, so obviously the defense is going to be a concern. It's probably going to be an issue irrespective of Parker, yeah. but it's probably been. I mean, that issue's probably been enhanced now that we think about it. But I guess the funny thing to me is. If you think about Wendell Carter Jr. and the fact that he was coming into the draft around 260 in terms of pounds, he's gotten down to 250 at the moment, but he's 250-pound center. But Jabari Parker, who the Bulls are hoping to be a small forward, he's a six foot nine, 250-pound forward, I guess, and they're trying to make him a small forward. And you know maybe that works for someone like LeBron James to be that tall and that freak. big and that powerful, <laughs> but for someone like... Jabari Parker, who isn't the athlete that LeBron is and never has been, and given that he's had two surgically repaired knees, I'm not sure if he can ever be that athletic. I, I'm concerned about him weighing in that much, and you know, I'm, I'm really hoping if he comes here to to, uh, to Chicago, that he goes on a on a diet of sorts and sort of sheds ten to twenty pounds right away if he's going to play small forward, but. Look, I I just don't view him as a small forward at all, and that's my main concern. Yeah, I think I'm if he you. was a pure small forward, I could get behind this move somewhat more. But given that, 
I don't think he is a small forward, and I think he's better suited to power forward. And given that the investment that they've made in him this this season, I, I just wonder how this is going to really play itself out with Markinen, but but even Portis and Carter yeah. Jr. So, you know, Darnell Mabry had a piece on the Athletic today suggesting that this this move here of, of adding uh, Jabari Parker. Whilst he's going to play small forward, he will play minutes at power forward too, which will shift Larry Markinen up to center, which I guess is all well and good, but the Bulls have drafted a center in Carter Jr. So what does that mean for a guy like Wendell as well? Yeah, I mean, just in general, like they plan on doing that. I mean, are they going to look to trade Robin Lopez or Bobby Portis, which is totally fine with me. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think that'd be an issue, but I feel like you're going to kind of have to do that if you're going to, if you're planning on playing Lowry more at the five so you can play Parker more at the four. I mean, they have this log gem of guys there. And so, I mean, and the most important guys are Lowry and Carter. So those guys need to get on the floor as much as possible. So I think at some point, I think they're going to have to make, I feel like another follow-up move, whether, like I said, whether it's trade, I would, I would assume Robin Lopez is going to be traded before the trade deadline. I mean, there's really, I understand one having him around for the first couple of months of the season. He can mentor Wendell, do all that fun stuff. But I mean, that after that, like, at some point, I think we want Wendell starting at center. Rolo's great guy. He could help a team. He's an expiring deal. I think he's, I would assume that he is gone by the trade deadline, hopefully, to open up a few more minutes to do that with these lineups and maybe shift Parker up to the forward. He's definitely better. And with Portis, he's obviously up for an extension this offseason. I don't think the Bulls, I know there's been some talk about it. I don't think the Bulls should be in any rush to be extending him. I think if they, if they they should keep his cap hold, I think it's like seven or eight million next year on the books. They should if they they shouldn't extend them at anything more than that annually, so they keep open more flexibility for next summer. Said Bobby's a nice player, had a nice season last year, but he's also just another one way big, which I think which I think also is another one. I just I think we talked about Parker struggling on defense. I think another one of the issues, I, I guess, with the roster as it is right now, like the Bulls have a lot of these young pieces who have potential, like I said, I don't hate, I, I said, I like some of these guys. They have, they, there's reason to be excited about some of these players, but they are, they do have a lot of these young guys who are just more one-way players. Like Bobby, somebody tweeted actually yesterday showing the comparison of Bobby and Jabari's numbers. And they're very similar. And you kind of think about it. They're very similar players. They're kind of stretchy bigs who are not good at all defensively, just kind of get buckets and I mean that's kind of it. So now you you have very two similar players there. Like Zach Levine is a one way player. Denzel Valentine one way player. Chris Dunn might be a defensive ace, but not any good offensively. So right, the Bulls have all these players who may maybe not the most versatile types. And I get I, and that's going to be I think we'll see if that's an issue moving forward. These they're going to have to develop a lot I think for this thing to really come together and and be successful yeah so i mean there's just a lot to process with this whole thing so obviously i'm not sure about you but my primary concern is what this means for larry marketing and he's the centerpiece and i'm concerned that in time we will learn that jabari is better suited at power forward um, rather than small forward but something you touched on before that i wanted to expand on was the three-man combination of don levine yeah. and marketing and the fact that in 255 minutes last season together uh, per 100 possessions, they were outscored by 21.6 points not good. per 100 possessions. So not not good. So obviously that's a limited sample size. And given Levine was coming yeah. back from an ACL and the team was actively trying to lose, I think there was 
uh, I guess, reasonable excuses to justify that performance and enough for me to feel, I guess, somewhat confident that those three uh, together could overcome that. But now when you add someone like Parker into the mix, even if he doesn't necessarily take away from Markkinen as a power forward, he could still interrupt this offensive hierarchy, which is still, um, I guess, it has yet to be established. So I want to expand on this point because I think it's probably the most important one in the fact that when we saw Dunn and Levine and Markkinen play together, Markkinen was relegated to that third option. Now, that's sort of natural given he's a big man and the other two are perimeter guys, you know, who have the ball in their hands and have, uh, you know, have the ability to create for themselves and hopefully others. But when you're adding a guy like Jabari Parker as well, who's going to be on the wing, who's effectively going to be on a one-year deal, which we assume will be a one-year deal. So he will be actively trying to score score the ball himself to, you know, if this is a make uh, a make-good one-year type deal, then he'll be actively trying to make himself look good. So lost in all this is where this whole thing shakes out in terms of an offensive hierarchy. How, how do you think the Bulls could really avoid making this a... A bit of a uh, a bit of a cluster or a mess here on on offense. How can they sort it all out? Right. Yeah. It's it's a good question. That's going to be up to Fred Hoiberg to figure out. Just because I mean, you can call all the, all the plays and have your system all you want, but I mean, the guards are going to have to do a good job of of getting Lowry the ball. Obviously, they'll run pick and rolls. They'll run pick and pops, and hopefully, Lowry's been working on his post game getting stronger, so you could, uh, that you could make sure you get him the ball in different spots and get him in the best spots you can. But ultimately it's going to, it might just come down. Are these, are these guards going to be sharing the ball effectively? Are they going to get Lowry, get Lowry open looks? I hope so. It did not look good last year. And especially with Zach Levine coming back from the injury, he was basically just kind of in chucker mode. Uh, now, now that he has his money and a year after the ACL, hopefully he settles back into more of a playing a bit more of a team game and, They'll they'll have options with what they can do. I mean, they have they theoretically like Dunn and Levine, multiple ball handlers, Parker, another ball handler. Like they could be they could be versatile offensively, but it could also turn into a your turn, my turn type deal with Lowry getting shunned shunned from from all of this. So like I said, hopefully that Fred gets them to run a system. They play up tempo. They get him good shots in pick and roll. They get him shots in transition. They get him looks in the post and. Hopefully, like he works on his ball handling, can do a bit more scoring himself. But it'll it'll that is definitely going to be the shot distribution is going to be one of the big things to watch. Yeah, most certainly, and it's it. And, and you, I mean, you raised that before. You've raised it online, and it's definitely going to be, I guess, the most interesting talking point heading into the season. And you know, something else to think about here moving into, I guess, this season is have have the Bulls really repositioned themselves here or, or have they changed their thinking in the sense that they've tried to expedite their the, the reboot the rebuild itself. I'm sure we're gonna hear about, you know, in time the Bulls adding a former number two pick, adding adding talent in someone like Parker who is only twenty three, so I guess there is potential there still left within him to be a good and serviceable player. So I'm sure we'll hear that spin in time, but do you think by adding someone like Parker, bringing back Levine, obviously drafting Wendell Carter, who looks like a start at the moment, and maybe even Chandler Hutchinson can provide something during U1, do, do you think adding someone like Parker rather than making some other moves on the periphery is is the ball signaling that they're really trying to expedite this rebuild from you know be, potentially being, I don't know, let's call it a 28 to 30 win team to, to hopefully a 35 to 37 win type? win um type team 
I mean, I would hope not. If they think Jabari Parker's adding five, six wins, I think that's insane. And there's no evidence of him. I mean, you look at it, you go look at his impact on the Bucks. Obviously, he's, the ACL injuries have li- has limited his time there, but he, I mean, his on off court numbers with the Bucks were never particularly good. I think the the when, before he tore his ACL the second time when he was putting up twenty points per game, he was playing pretty well. And the, that was just kind of a weird season for the Bucks. Anyways, they were just bad in general. So, I mean, he put up big points on a bad team. So I guess that's nothing good. But if you look, I mean, you look at last year when he came back, he was just okay in the playoffs. He had some awful games. He had some good games. Just bef- look, going back even further to other years when he was healthy, and he's just really never been that much of an impact guy. And I think just because of who he, he's, just because I think he's a Chicago guy, number two pick, he's put up 20 points per game. I think some fans probably think he's really, really good and he's going to like push the Bulls into the playoffs next year. I mean, I, I, I saw a poll last night, uh, ESPN Radio did a poll with like 1,600 responses. That is the Bulls 55% to make the playoffs next year, which I, we, I think the, we really have to hold our horses here. Remember, Bulls won 27 games this past year. The East is bad, but it's not that bad. I mean, we're talking about getting the playoffs. You're probably looking at like a 15 win increase around to get to 41, 42 wins. And that's a huge increase. You usually, Young teams usually don't make those kind of leaps unless they have transcendent players. And maybe and maybe Lowry is amazing and Levine comes back and is amazing. And maybe it happens. I mean, that's we saw the Sixers make a huge leap, but that's because Embiid and Simmons are just absolutely incredible players and some of the best players in the league. So those types of leaps just usually don't happen unless you add like a star player, which we saw like the Timberwolves last year. We'll probably see with the Lakers this year with LeBron. But I mean, I think people really have to hold their horses on the Bulls making some huge leap in the playoffs, and especially with a guy like Parker, who's not a, who's a guy who's never really had that kind of impact on winning. So. So there's reason to be excited about the Bulls' future, but I think people really need to chill out about expecting big things from them next year. Yeah, and to be clear, obviously, I, I don't. Oh yeah, I know. I know that's not you. I know, I know you don't, but I think a lot yeah. of people do, and a lot of people think they see Jabari Parker, number two pick, guy who scored 20 points per game a couple of years ago. They think this guy's going to be come in and be some world beater. It's like he's chill. Like he's torn his ACL twice. Bucks from a lot of Bucks fans I've seen aren't really that upset with him leaving it obviously sucks to lose a number two pick for nothing but there are some Bucks fans I follow that do not like him at all uh and others that are just kind of like you know it, it is what it is it stinks but like we're, the Bulls aren't getting some legit study I mean, he's got tons of question marks and he's not a guy who's pushing the bull who will likely I mean I'm not saying they, they it can't happen that the Bulls have some miracle run and get and are in the playoff chase but it is still very early in this rebuild they don't have to. It's not a big deal if the Bulls aren't put, making a playoff push. And I hope the front office does not think that. Oh man, we're with, by signing Jabari Parker, they got their definite three of the future, and that this this thing's rolling now. Totally, like they they still need to see a ton of development from all these guys for that, and in the next few years to hopefully be a team that can actually contend for real. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and beyond Parker, the player. So so two other points that I want to raise. I, I guess is more so. With his contract now, again, I'll state we don't know exactly what his contract is. So, you know, if it turns out to be a different number, maybe this point is becomes somewhat irrelevant. But I could understand maybe taking a punt on someone like Jabari Parker if you were to sign him to, you know, a two-year twenty twenty-five million dollar deal. But to make it a two-year forty million dollar deal, even if that second year is somewhat unguaranteed. 
that is a bit of a concern to me because I do wonder who the Bulls were bidding against. There's some news out there that maybe the the Sacramento Kings may have got involved and the Bulls made their moves, you know, with Grant and Nwaba and Kilpatrick to up their offer to hopefully, I guess, dissuade the Kings from getting involved even further. And I think you mentioned before the the Bucks' uh, cap pressures that they have and by increasing the offer to Parker, it makes it really hard for a team like the Bucks who are, you know, they're paying a lot of money to uh, probably a mediocre team and they're going to be hard-capped pretty shortly. It makes them hard to re-sign someone like Japari Parker if, if the offer is inflated. But I just wonder why this has to be at, at around, you know, 19 to 20 million. Obviously, that's where the Bulls are in cap space. And given the moves that have ma- they've made, it, it's assumed that they'll be offering Parker an, an amount close to two years, and, uh, two years and 40 million. But did it have to be that much? From what I can tell, I would guess that they did it just because of that Bucks hard cap situation. Maybe the Bucks, if it was only whatever twelve, like twelve million a year, eleven million a year, I think the Bucks might match that because they would still have, I think, about like four million under that that hard cap. And I, I think the Bucks wanted them to take the qualifying offer. And if the Kings, if the Bulls didn't offer, and I'm not sure if the Kings actually would have. I don't know. If, I don't know how totally legit that is. Like. He was probably taking the qualifying offer, so like the Bulls are doing him a huge favor by giving him this monster contract. Uh, and like I said, I think they're they're literally doing it because so the Bucks just ha- would have no interest in matching, and not even no interest, just they couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean that's the most logical thing that I could come to a conclusion with as well. But I don't know, man. Like, whilst it's still. You know, whilst you can still spin it in the sense that it's only a one-year contract effectively and that one-year contracts, in theory, don't carry, uh, obviously, long-term cap implications, I do wonder what the one year of having Parker around can do to this team from a um, from a rotation and from a chemistry standpoint. Obviously, that remains to be seen. Maybe I'm completely wrong about that. Maybe Parker can really fit in at small forward and, and prove me wrong there. But obviously, the, um, obviously time will tell, but... One of the other main problems that I had with, you know, offering Parker such a hefty deal, and if if we are to assume that it's for the majority, if not all of the Bulls' remaining cap space, it pretty much rules out the team as being a an option in terms of taking on bad contracts for for future picks. If if they've consumed all of their cap space towards Jabari Parker or, or the vast majority of it, then they've pretty much ruled themselves out of doing that, which is kind of disappointing as well. So that adds even more pressure to the team or or even Parker becoming a real asset in himself, a valuable player, because if they can't take a bad contract on for someone like, uh, for, for a pick rather, then they really need Parker to become the player that they hope he can be. Yeah, I mean, just as an example, we looked at, you look at that the nuts deal that they made with the Nuggets, and that was a big thing that I was hammering. Like I thought the Bulls should go after the the Nuggets traded off Wilson Chandler, Kenneth Freed, Daryl Darrell Arthur in the last couple of weeks. The Chandler one to the Sixers made there was only like a second round pick attached. It was I think it was only a second. There might have been another second. I don't even remember. But this the deal that just happened with uh, Freed and with Darrell Arthur, the Nuggets traded their 2019 first round pick, protected one through twelve. The Nuggets should be really good, even if they just missed the playoffs in a good Western Conference, they'll, they'll, they'll probably be better than any East team that misses the playoffs in the East. So that, that pick is probably going to the Nets at, say, whatever, 13, 14, 15, 16, something like that. So, I mean, does signing, will Jabari Parker as an asset or as a pl- player be better than some guy the Bulls could pick in the middle of the first round as, as a long-term asset? 
I don't, I'm not totally sure. That's, I guess that's the calculus, one calculus the Bulls had to decide. They clearly think that Tabari will be good for them. Like I said, I don't know if they really think he's a small forward of the future because they're making the short-term call on him. Obviously, they're, they got to see if he's good. And if he is good, I would assume that they'll either, they'll either guarantee his contract next year or if they, as long as, if they, as long as they aren't in the running for major free agents, which I don't really think they will, but uh, so they they clearly think that he's in the, that he would be a better asset than one of those first round picks. So I guess, I guess we'll have to we'll have to hope that he does turn out to be. I'd, I I too am just I was kind of hoping for for them to to go the route of taking out a bad contract and getting an asset because I also think those assets even if the Bulls didn't draft a guy I think the, the Bulls could use any assets as possible to for a big trade in the future if another if there's a disgruntled star. Or down the road, if they want to make an offer for a guy like Anthony Davis, having as many assets as possible as they can. I'm not sure if Jabari will be a plus asset to use in trades like that. I guess the Bulls just have to hope that he is, because I guess as well, like if they if the if Jabari plays well enough, but they don't want to you don't want to see him as their long term long term option. Maybe he plays up his value enough to so, so, trade him in a deal and, and actually get another asset that like the Bulls could have gotten taking out a, a bad deal, but. He's going to have to play well because if he doesn't play well and this thing works out well or works out poorly, you sunk a ton of money into something that is not good at all. Yeah, I mean that's certainly true. And and, and but let me ask you this question: on 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 this deal that he's on, let's let's assume it's a one plus one type deal that year one is fully guaranteed. It's around nineteen or twenty million, and year two is a team option, and and you know maybe a portion of it is guaranteed or maybe the whole thing is unguaranteed. Who knows at this point? But Based on that on that deal itself, and the the fact that the Bulls won't have full bird rights on that type of deal, on this deal itself, can, can Parker be considered an asset beyond this season? Like, if, if he plays well enough that um, the team has to or, or decides to re up or, or use that team option, then obviously that there goes that twenty nineteen plan. They've committed you know roughly twenty million dollars to Parker, but if he is okay or not good, then of of course they can open up cap space in 2019 but in the, if they do that then in theory Parker isn't really an asset on this deal so I don't know C- can can there be a perception that Parker is an, an asset to the team given that he's going to effectively sign what's what appears to be a one plus a one plus one deal I mean right now no I mean he still has to prove that he can actually play and be effective so it's it's definitely up in the air and it's that which makes it a risk like I said he's See when he came back last year, he just he was he was just okay. He's still got to show that he can be consistently good, and especially on this big type of contract. And like I said we're not totally sure of the particulars yet, but it's 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 up in the air at this point, really. <laughs> yeah, it really is, and it really it's, it certainly is. And look, obviously we've been going on for about half an hour now. We've been banging on with uh, a lot of negatives here, and you and I probably share similar views on this one, but. I don't know about you, but I was going through a phase here for the last two or three weeks where I was actually feeling quite positive. I, know, I noticed Bulls, you uh, <laughs> tweeting, tweeting very positively about watching summer league games and all that fun stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, Wendell Carter had me really hyped. I really enjoyed what the Bulls did at the draft, and I guess that carried over into summer league. And based on what I've seen, I was really quite content as a Bulls fan. But this Jabari thing has somewhat soured that for me at the moment. But Whilst I don't want to spend this whole podcast ranting about negatives, let's try to find some positives here. I want to try to get onto the uh, the positive bandwagon on this thing yeah, if I absolutely. can. So, talk to me about the positives. What what are they? About Jabari or about the Bulls in general? About about Jabari Parker oh, for the moment. Okay, well, 
like I said, before he got hurt his uh, ACL last time, he was putting up like 20 points per game. I think he was like three assists per game. So he was starting to show that he could be that a solid score. Like I said, like I said, I, I'm honestly not that negative about this deal since it is short term. Like I can't work. Get my, I, I, we've talked about all our concerns. I can't get too worked up over it if it is a short term deal, especially if there's this if it's effectively like a one plus one. I can't get that upset. While I I don't really understand it, I don't think it makes too much sense. I can't be super mad about it. And maybe and Jabari seems like a really good dude. He's from the city. He'll do good stuff here. Fans will like him. Like whatever. Like I guess the I guess that's a positive. Jabari seems like a really great guy. Represents the city really well. So there you go. He could be a good scorer. Like I said, I don't really see the upside that he had coming into the league at this point after two ACLs. I just don't think the potential is really there at this point anymore. But he could still be an effective scorer. I guess like, hopefully if he can if he can settle into a role and like hopefully not be a guy who wants to take a ton of shots. If he can settle into a role, I mentioned before that he shot he the last couple of years he shot like 36-37% from 3. If he can be an effective three-point shooter and space the floor as 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 a small forward, that could I think that could that could be helpful. That could make it work with the with the way the Bulls want to play. Like if he slims down and gets a, a little skinnier a little more a better fit for playing a bit more up tempo. Maybe this thing works out really nicely offensively. The Bulls could be a really could be potentially fun if everything settles in the place. If that hierarchy settles settles in the fa- in the place and the offense uh, comes together, they, they could put up a ton of points. Like I said, I I do not think the defense will be any good. That probably would have been no different if they didn't have Parker. So I mean, there are there are ways where this could turn out all right and where the Bulls can at least be fun, even though I don't think they'll be any good. I don't think Parker's going to have a big impact on winning. I mentioned that before, but they they could be entertaining to watch at least. And like I said, Parker seems like a really good dude from Chicago, hometown guy. So that could be a fun story. So in preparation for this podcast and just you know just thinking about this deal in general, obviously I made some notes and and you just pretty much hit on all the positives that I had for Parker. Obviously, he's from Chicago. He, he's he's a local guy, so in some senses, that is a good thing. He's it's on. He's obviously on a short term deal, which helps as well. And the fact that he is on that short short term deal, he I guess his deal potentially doesn't necessarily impact your next year's I guess free agency's plan too much. I mean, you still have that flexibility even in in your back pockets should you choose to use it. And I guess when he is healthy. We we've seen Parker turn games. He can score the ball and he can be an effective player when he is healthy and playing well. But I was thinking about this before and thinking about those four of four or five points that I just listed out there. Whilst he's not the same player as Dwayne Wade, whilst he's obviously much younger than Dwayne Wade, this is the exact same thing we were talking about Dwayne Wade when we signed him two years ago. The fact that he's a local guy, it's a short-term deal, so it's not going to be an issue. If for whatever reason it is an issue, you can get out of the deal potentially, and you know he can still put uh, turn it on occasionally. So whilst obviously I accept Parker is much younger than than um. Uh, Dwayne Wade, I, I can't help but see the parallels that exist between this signing and, and the Rondo and Wade signing, uh, ignoring, obviously, the age and the potential uh, factors here. Yeah, it's totally fair. I, like you mentioned, the context is a bit different. The Bulls are at the beginning of a rebuild. That The Rondo and Wade thing was clearly a last last gasp effort with Jimmy Butler to try to contend, and then that just blew up once Rondo broke his hand. The Bulls fell apart in the playoffs, and that and that was that. So, Obviously, if, if Parker doesn't work out, Bulls can probably just say goodbye after next season. Hopefully, depending on the, again, depending on the contract goes, and they'll still have their young core and the rest of their young core in place, and they can move forward. So, the failure if Parker fails, 
it's not the I guess there's just not as much of an issue. They lo- they might lose out on an asset, which is unfortunate when you're rebuilding to make a big investment like this, even if it's only for a year and to have it fail would be would be a setback for sure. So that'd be unfortunate. But in terms of the whole picture, like the Bulls, Parker could be bad. The Bulls could be could be bad next year, and it wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing in the world because if Parker's bad and the Bulls are bad next year, that means they just get another high draft pick and add another legitimate long term piece to the rebuild. So honestly, that's I guess if you want to if you even if you're negative about Parker as a player, you don't like the signing, you don't like the fit, which I'm not. If it does go poorly. The Bulls just gonna get a high draft pick again, so that's the silver lining there. <laughs> I, I suppose so. <laughs> Ignoring you know the potential damage, right? That may, yeah, obviously, may obviously, there's, obviously, there's all that 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 wouldn't be good. But, yeah, yeah. but if if you if you're of the opinion that the Bulls still need uh, like a legit number one guy, obviously Wendell looks awesome, but I don't know if he's like your legit number one guy. If you're still of the opinion that the Bulls need at least one more legitimate young stud, like. Obviously, you don't, the collateral damage of your other young guys maybe not working out well and set, setting back their development would not be good. But if you still think the Bulls ultimately to win a championship need one more legitimate young stud or whatever, need to get a star player, a legitimate star in the future, getting another high draft pick isn't the worst thing. No, that's, that's, that's certainly true. And, you know, filling up my glass half full with some Kool-Aid here, I mean, there is some potentials at least for the Bulls to be fun and exciting yeah, next season. There won't be much defense. We've already talked about that. But when you think about Dunn, Levine, and Parker, the, those three guys are 24 or under. So Dunn is 24. Levine and Parker are 23. You've got Bobby Portis, who's age 23 as well. And then you've got Chandler Hutchinson at 22. Lowry at 21. And Wendell Carter Jr., currently 19, but will be 20 during the season. That's seven players there that I guess have the potential to be fun, young, and exciting, and offer uh, you know different things. Each of those guys offer different things. So, whilst I have my problems with the fit of this roster, I think there is potential for I guess enjoying it, even yeah. though it's not necessarily going to be fruitful. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, how dare you forget twenty-four-year-old Denzel Valentine? <laughs> <laughs> forgive me for that i I can't i I don't know why that slipped my mind obviously he's not going to be too happy about this this news he's probably lost his starting small forward if you you ask him himself so um but yeah i'm not sure how i forgot about denzel there (laughs) no but in general yeah absolutely right and the bulls i think uh matt moore at hp basketball said tweeted yesterday the bulls aren't going to be any uh, bulls gonna be a bad team but going to be a fun team. I think they absolutely could. I, like I said, with Levine, I have questioned the marks about him and his big contract, but I think he should be a lot, He should be much better than he was last year. He was awful last year. He was difficult to watch. He was going off an ACL. I think he'll be, he should be a lot better, even if he's not actually good. He should be at least fun. He should shoot threes better. They should hope, if hopefully they, they embrace Hoiberg's style again. They, there were times last year where they did embrace it. They were playing fast. They were playing well. Hopefully Chris Dunn takes another step forward. Like he's, as he took a step forward last year, because he was awful his rookie year. He's still not that good. I believe his true shooting percentage is under fifty. Still, if you can get that into the low fifties, and if Levine looks a lot better, and if Lowry hopefully doesn't get marginalized and takes a step forward, and this is obviously a lot of a lot of ifs here, but there is potential for the Bulls to be a fun, a fun, at least a fun bad team. Like if you're watching a rebuild in the NBA, you at least want things to be fun and not miserable. Last season was miserable, but if the Bulls can at least show some development with these young guys that can play up tempo, shoot chuck threes. That can at least be fun while even if they're still losing games. 
Yeah, that, that that's certainly true, and, and obviously this is it's it's shaping up like a Paxson beat a rebuild, but in a way it's completely different to the uh, the, the typical Paxson rebuilds that we sort of I guess witnessed early in two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five during that era. It's 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 a little different, but maybe different will be fun. So we'll we'll see how that sort of transpires. But you know, between Zach Levine and his one ACL, and, and now Jabari Parker. With his two ACLs, it's a shame that Derek Rose has re-upped with uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves because I don't know he would have been a perfect fit here. Yeah, that you're one, two, three with uh, like what that'd be like six or seven knee injuries combined. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously we're uh, we're poking fun there, but boy, oh boy, there's a lot of injury concerns that I have on this perimeter now. But there are. Look, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, but. Oh, like we've already hopped on here, we, we don't know the final particulars of this deal. We'll probably learn in the next 24 hours, I'm sure, once this podcast is out and available to the listeners. We'll probably have some more information on the deal itself. But, Jay, is there anything else you want to cover off? I think we've hit on most things, but have I missed on anything? I don't think so. Uh, in terms of Jabari, I think we're, we've covered it all. I would like to... We might. We talked about Wendell Carter Jr. I would just like to talk about briefly just what I've seen from him. I've he's obviously gotten rave reviews so if we want to be, end this on a positive note we could just Wendell looks great he looks awesome it's obviously just summer league but he's been arguably I know Kevin Pelton wrote this other people have mentioned that he's been arguably the best of the five bigs that were drafted in the lottery he was the last one picked at number seven but he's put up with like 17 points per game uh it's like eight rebounds his rim protection has been awesome he just the way he plays just really smart really skilled just does a lot of things really well i think the bulls have a lot of reason to be excited about him uh i'm not sure if he's gonna play the the bulls have another game today in the in their in the summer league tournament seems like a lot of the teams have been sitting their best guys or their stud rookies i'm not sure if he's gonna play today i hope he does and gets another chance to show off obviously you don't you don't want to risk him getting hurt i feel like it's probably why a lot of these guys are sitting but he's been really exciting to watch and there are like there are reasons to be excited about this Bulls team even if the Jabari news you don't understand it it doesn't make sense if you're not really in on it watching Wendell has been awesome hopefully the other ones the other guys uh Levine and Dunn and Lowry hopefully they come back next year hungry and ready to ready to get a lot better so I'm I'm really interested how this Bulls season is going to go I think it's going to be a really important one in terms of the direction this rebuild goes we could almost go, go in multiple ways like if they do take that big next step forward maybe they Maybe they become a, a a true player in the next couple of years, or maybe they stagnate. Parker flails around and nothing happens, and the Bulls just kind of settle into a cycle of bad slash mediocre stuff. It's going to be a really interesting season. I think it'll be, I think it will be fun to watch, just in terms of style of play and in terms of just watching these young guys develop. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Last year I hated watching the Bulls. I honestly did not watch them many games. I'm gonna I'm really interested to be tuning into as many games as possible this season. Yeah, definitely, and like we spoke about before, if if this offense can find a way to harm, and and if if Hoiberg can get, I guess, the shot distribution uh, settled accordingly, then there is scope for this team to be fun, even if they aren't necessarily a good team. So I I definitely accept that, and you know, thinking about Wendell Carter Jr. and the fact that he's been so awesome on defense, blocking so many shots now. 
given that he's um, going to have Zach Levine and <laughs> Jabari Parker in front of okay, him ready, on, the, uh, on the perimeter there. He's going to have a lot of opportunities yeah. to block some shots here coming into his rookie season. So I, I guess that's the upside, potential for some more um, some more highlight blocks here. Absolutely, yeah. It's some of those, The way he's looked defensively, that was one of the big question marks about Wendell coming in was, did he have the lateral movement? Could he switch effectively? And we've seen him do it over and over. Obviously, again, summer league caveats, but... He did it against. He's done it against Trey Young when he switched out on him and blocked one of his three pointers. We've seen his help side blocks. We saw that awesome block of Anti Zizic when he pinned the ball against the backboard and then immediately like sprinted the other way and let a fast break. Like seeing that kind of stuff, just those kind of skills, just in general, those instincts and the athleticism and the timing, that kind of stuff is stuff that should transcend summer league and hopefully translate over to the NBA in general. And if with these guys on the wing, he's going to have to be a legitimate rim protector. And I said, hopefully he gets a ton of minutes. Obviously, we talked about Robin Lopez a bit. Hopefully the Bulls, could, I'm sure they'll keep Rolo for now. But hopefully at some point, Wendell is the starting center by the by the end of the season. And hopefully he can uh, hopefully he can erase some of those mistakes and, and just make, and make a big impact defensively and be a big part of the future, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, if Marvin Bagley playing alongside him was a, a lot of defensive effort, then um, we'll see what happens here. But look, it, like we said, it's going to be a fun season irrespective of this deal. We'll learn more about the Jabari Parker stuff, I'm sure, in the coming, I guess, 24 to 48 hours. And I guess until we fully know that, we probably should re- reserve some judgment until then. But Look, mate, I appreciate you nonetheless jumping on this pod and, and hashing this thing out with me, even though it's not necessarily finalized. So before you jump away, even though you become a bit of a regular on this show, tell the people where they can follow you online. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. Uh, obviously do stuff, still writing Espionation Bloggable, uh, do some stuff at Fansider, and then also BetChicago.com. I will have something on this Jabari signing up uh, probably later today. So, like I said, Bulls underscore J is my Twitter, bloggable, fansided, betchicago.com. Perfect. Uh, and likewise, you can follow me online at Twitter at MK Hoops, and I'll have something most likely today on this whole Jabari thing. At, at bloggable, it's probably not going to be a favorable thing given I uh, wrote it um, in the heat of the moment after it sort of surfaced, but you can read that as well. But, Jay, thanks again for coming on, mate. And Fans or listeners of the show don't know when I'll be back. I keep saying that I don't know when I'll be back next time, but the Bulls keep doing something and I keep finding a way to uh, record a show. So I'm not sure when the next episode will be. Maybe once we know more about this Parker deal itself, we'll do a bit of a uh, deep dive in it, maybe more, more more so than what this episode has been. But um, until next time, thank you for joining me and I'll catch you all again then. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. 
Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.